Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Um, yeah, good morning church. Good morning everyone on YouTube. Uh, I'm excited to bring the word for you today. So it's the first Sunday where everyone can officially take off their masks. Huh? So you can say to the person next to you, Oh, is that how you look? Huh? We haven't seen each other's faces in a while. It's half covered or partially covered. or Yeah, I know, it's funny. It's funny how I still go into a supermarket with a mask on. Like, am I allowed to take it off now? Like, a bit weird. But yeah, um, for everyone who is new, my name is Devald. I'm the youth pastor here at Shofar Johannesburg. Um, yeah, and I've got... I've got the amazing privilege just to bring the word this morning. So, yeah, let me just pray for us and we can jump right into it. Oh, Father, what a privilege it is to be here today. Father, what a privilege it is, Lord, to, yeah, Lord, just to worship you, to seek your face and to know who you are, Father God. What a privilege it is, Lord God, for us to gather here, Lord God. In many countries, Father, it's forbidden, it's it's, it's a something you have to do in secret. But, Father, here we can worship you. We can sing your name. We can speak of you, Father God. Lord, it's so amazing to see that. Lord, I pray that you would really you know, just bless this sermon, Father God. I pray that you would put a God in front of my mouth, Lord, so that I only speak what's from your heart, Father. Thank you, Father, for open hearts and open ears to hear what you want to say, Father God. Oh, Lord, I worship you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so, this past two weeks has been a real difficult time in our church. We've had a lot of people either getting sick or laying in hospital in critical condition. We've had people being in car accidents and people having... uh, your allergic reactions to medicine they, they're receiving for diseases that they have at the moment. It's quite tough. And a lot of us have been taking a lot of strain and we've, we've been taking a lot of pressure because we have to pray for this, but then the next thing pops up and we have to pray for that. And then this person gets that and we have to pray for this. And it's just been so taxing. But this morning I really felt God was just, want to, just wants to come encourage us a little bit. Just encourage us that the battle isn't ours to, to fight. It's not ours to fight. I, while we were in the session, I just had a picture of a person walking a tightrope. And he was so focused on this tightrope, like he's holding this beam in his hand and he's trying to like not fall. And he's really focusing on what he's doing. And I just felt God was saying, but I need you to fall. I need you to stop focusing on everything and just focus on me because I'm the safety net. Just come and fall in the safety net. Come and experience my rest. Come and experience who I am. And we're so afraid to say, Lord, I just give everything to you. I give everything to you and I want to surrender to you because it's, it's, it's scary. What's going to happen? But God is saying, I want you to fall. I want you to just land in my net. Let me fight this battle for you. 
So this morning I'm going to read for us from Luke 8, verse 40 to 56. I know it's quite long, but just bear with me. Um, yeah, and it says the following. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was the ruler of a synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age. And she was dying. And Jesus went. And the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had, been, who had had discharge of blood for 12 years and thought she could spend all the living. And though she spent all the living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the discharge and the blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and you are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has been made well. Go in peace. And while she was speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be made well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but she is sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed, directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, and he charged them not to tell anyone what had happened. And this is such a, this is such a unique story, because... If you, if you just look at the, the times in the Bible, synagogue leaders were renowned for wearing the best clothes. They were very upright in, in character. They were very upright in everything they did. And the first thing we read here is that Jairus, the synagogue leader, fell before Jesus on his knees. And implored him. He begged him. Just come to my house. Now that doesn't happen in Israel. In that time. That would never happen. Synagogue leaders will never degrade themselves to a place. Where they have to be on their knees before someone. Begging that person to help them. They would never do that. And yet. We see Jairus doing it. And the first thing I want to lay before you today is that we all 
We all want healing and we all want God to work powerfully in our lives. But I know I've said a few times in office as well, I've told them, but it doesn't happen to me. God doesn't heal me. He'll heal everyone else around me, but I'm not on his list. No. The first thing I want to lay before you is sometimes we have to get off our high horses. Sometimes we have to get over the obstacles, our pride, our insecurities, our doubts, our little things that's, that's holding us back from actually just begging Jesus, saying, Yo, I, I've asked Jesus once. He's heard me. I, I don't have to do it again. But we, we have to be intentional about seeking God's face. Right? We have to be intentional about saying, Lord God, I'm going to seek you every day. I'm going to fast because I need you. I'm going to lay down my own perceptions. That if God wants healing, then uh, maybe, maybe I can ask him once and I'll go to a prayer meeting. But if nothing happens, well, I'll just leave it there. But we have to seek God's face. Right? We have to get rid of our, ourselves and put ourselves outside. Say, so I don't care if I'm a CEO. I don't care if I'm high in position. I don't care what my stature is in the church. I don't care if I'm the pastor of the church. I need Jesus. And then that means I have to fall on my knees here in front of my whole congregation and seek Jesus. And that's what I've got to do. Because it's not about us. It's not about what people think about us. And that's the biggest thing that's holding us back from seeking God. But what will people think? And my best friend is in the congregation. I can't, I can't do anything now. Wait. She's here for the first time. What is she going to think of me? It's horrible. But we can't think like that. We have to get over ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about our stature or who we know in the church or who we don't know or who we know at work or who we don't know. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus. We have to seek Him. Right? Okay? And then secondly, I want to just, I want to bring this before you. It says that, and she came up behind Him and touched the fringe of His garment and immediately her discharge and blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, crowds are surrounding you and pressing in on you. So there was obviously a lot of people around Jesus. And the probability that most, more, most of those people were also seeking healing is there. But why did she get healed? Why did she get healed immediately? And I want to put the word in front of you, intentionality. She was intentional about what she wanted and she was intentional about how she's going to get it. But the problem with us as Christians is we become so familiar with Jesus that we don't know how to seek His face anymore. 
We become so familiar with Him. We just like, I'll, I'll pray a little bit here and a little bit there. But if nothing happens, it's okay. I'll just move on. But we have to become intentional. We have to become really serious about our faith. We can't just be familiar with Jesus. Okay? It's such a big reality for us. We as Christians are so, we come to church, we go to small group, we go to a prayer meeting once or twice, and that's enough for us. We're okay with the breadcrumbs. This woman wasn't okay with the breadcrumbs. She wasn't okay with just a little bit. She wanted full restoration. She wanted full recovery. And she knew that she doesn't have to, Jesus doesn't have to like throw with oil and do a dance around her. And there, there doesn't have to be this massive thing. She can just come and just touch his garment, the edge of his garment. Just that. And she will be healed. She knew it. She believed it. It was everything inside of her knew that if she touched the garment of Jesus, she will be healed. And for her to take that chance, because we have to remember in those times, because of the disease that she had, she was categorized as unclean. You cannot come between all the other people. You cannot mingle with the rest of the people. So she was taking the chance of actually being stoned for what she's about to do. But she knew, I have to become serious about Jesus. And she had to press in amongst the crowds. Just touch his garment. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do sometimes. We just have to say, I'm not accepting all of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna trust God. I remember we were in 2015, we were in Ukraine, and one of our team members during we were having a slide or something. He, 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 tore, he tore the one muscle in his leg and he couldn't walk anymore. And we took him to the room and made him comfortable and said, just rest a little bit. And everyone was like, no, let's just go on with the activities. And it just felt on my heart, I was just like, no, I'm not accepting this. We need this man to complete this mission. And we, I told the mission leader, let's just gather around him and just pray. We can practice later on for the life house kit. It's fine. Just pray now. And we prayed for him. And we prayed for him. And that man was fully healed. He went from like, like almost being carried around to the next day running to a train because it was, we almost missed our train. God healed him instantaneously. But we have to become serious about Jesus. And then if we look at this, so Jairus is 
God, Jesus, he's like, come, my daughter is almost dying. Let's go. You have to touch her now. The time is now. And Jesus is like, no, wait. Um, just give me like five minutes. I'm just going to quickly minister to this woman. I think Jairus was so mad. He was like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, dude, my daughter, can, we, can you just hurry up? Get, get, get. I know the crowds. I'll get people from the synagogue to come and kick back the crowds. But just come. Start running, please. You're taking your time. This is ridiculous. But what it teaches me is that our time is not God's time. Right? I think many times we are in Jairus' position where we're like, God, um, Lord, I'm going on missions like tomorrow. I need 12,000. Like, now. I'm expecting SMS in like two minutes. Bank. Come on. Right? But our time is not God's time. And we have to submit to God's time. And that means that healing doesn't look like we want it to look like, or breakthrough in our situations doesn't look like we want it to look like, well, we have to get over ourselves. Sorry, it's, it's hard, but that's what we have to do. Because it's not about you. God gets the glory. It's God's time. Right? And then, so Jairus is a bit irritated, and now this person is coming to him. He says, Jairus, sorry, brother, daughter is dead. Um, you can leave Jesus alone now. But Jesus, you can go back to whatever you were doing. Um, I'll, I'll WhatsApp you the, the funeral dates. See you there. Right? And Jesus overhears this, and Jesus says to him, he says to him, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. Not the most comforting words you want to hear when your daughter has just died. You want Jesus to say, it's okay, don't worry, it's fine, I'll comfort you a little bit. And Jesus is like, no, do not fear. Only believe and she will be made well. Right? And that's a promise God gives us. That's a promise that we can rely on. Now, Jairus could have decided, you know what, I'm not even going to bother with you anymore. I'm just going to go bury my daughter, get on with my life. I'll go back to the synagogue, get to read a little bit of scripture again. Maybe the next person is more luckier. Right? But Jairus didn't do that. He said, Jesus, okay, you say believe, I'll take you at your word. Let's do this. And they went to Jairus' house. Now the big thing for us is, and the big fear we have is that we're going to put our faith out there and we're going to be disappointed. Like off the bat, it's just going to be like nothing is happening. And we see here, 
So Jairus is putting his faith out there and Jesus gets to his house and he says to them, do not weep for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him knowing that she was dead. And our, everyone's biggest fears just became reality. They're mocking him for his faith. Like Jairus, why, do you, why are you bringing this guy here? We saw she's dying. There's no more breath. She's dead. Just get him out of here. And Jesus is mocked. And one of the biggest obstacles we as Christians face is that when we see someone, say, in pick and pay, and they've got a broken leg, we're so afraid to say, can I pray for your leg? I believe Jesus can heal. Because we're afraid the people around us are going to mock us if nothing happens. We're afraid we're going to be the laughing stock of the supermarket. Look at this Christian guy that thinks he knows everything. Tests have proven that this guy's leg is broken in six places. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it's in that moment that fear of man steps in like, to the forefront. And we're like, I'm out. I'd rather not pray for you. Don't you just want to go like around the corner where there's no one? I'll pray for you there. Um, it's easier. Uh, it's a bit quieter, you know. No one will see us. And if nothing happens, you don't say that out loud, but you're like, if nothing happens, I'm okay. It's only me and you. We don't know each other, so see you again. Hopefully never, but sure. Right? But sometimes we have to take that step of faith and say, Lord, I'm taking you by your word. You say believe and she will be made well. Sometimes we have to say, Lord, I'm taking that step of faith. I'm going out in boldness. I want to say, Lord, that your word means more to me than the mockery of the people around me. And it's difficult. It's really difficult. On missions, it's easy because everyone around you is spirit-filled. They know what we're doing. They believe God's word. But when you're in a place where you're surrounded by unbelievers, it's difficult. And you struggle to put your faith out there. But it's when we put our faith out there that God comes through. Like we've just seen with Melissa. She put her faith out there. She said, Lord, I'm putting my faith out there to be healed of gluten intolerance. And God said, I see your faith. And I'm going to take your peanut allergy away as well. <laughs> right? Fully rest restoration. Full recovery. And doctors can't explain it. I remember when I was 12 years old, my first grade teacher was laying in the ICU critical as well. And they called the family in. They said, full all your organ failure. She's going to die in the next few hours. Come say goodbye. It's, it's over. And I remember one of the people in my church said, but let's just go pray for her. So me, my brother, and this guy from our church, I can't even remember his name right now. 
went into the ICU, and the nurses were like skeptical at first. They're like, are you sure you're here to like pray? I'm like, yes, we're here to do that. And we went to her bed, and sorry for the, the gruesome details, but like her whole body was blue, swollen, puffed up. She had more machines than she had, I want to say, arteries at that time. And we went in just as the family came out. Now for a 12-year-old to see that, it's not easy. And it's, such, it's a teacher that made such an amazing impact in my life, such an amazing, uh, you just helped me so, through so many things in first, second grade. And we prayed for her, and we really trusted God for healing. And about three days later, my mom comes back from home. She's like, no, your teacher's sitting upright at home, eating jelly and, and just resting a little bit. I'm like, that's impossible. <laughs> that's impossible. Did you see what I saw? She was dying. And my mom spoke to the doctors, and the doctors were like, it's impossible. Within two hours, her lungs healed completely. Her kidneys started working normally. The swelling on her body went down. She's alive till this day. That's God. That's God. That is why we serve a living, powerful God. And it's not just that he healed he brought the family back together and every time I think of that I'm just I'm so amazed at what God does but it's a place where we have to say Lord I'm, I'm not going to look at the physical anymore because it's easy to look at the physical it's easy to look at what, what is happening around us it's not as easy to fix our eyes on Jesus So, um, yeah, I'm just going to give over to Annie quickly so you can share a testimony about Shaul. Um, I really feel we need to just hear this and, yeah, just a current testimony. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, you guys know that we, we've been praying for Shaul for, what, almost two weeks now. Um, two weeks ago on Sunday, uh, as they were leaving church, uh, Shaul and his twin uh, children, his son and daughter and his mother, um, they went and, and, and got some, some takeaways. And as they were pulling into First Avenue, uh, a car um, drove over a red traffic light and drove right into them. Mezen later said she'd, after church on the way home, she'd driven past the accident scene. She, she, hadn't, she didn't know it was Shaul, so she, they closed down two, the two lanes and she had to drive around. And she said she saw the car and it was... Um, pressed against the traffic light and, and squashed like in half and, and, and the, the, the engine and the, and the um, steering wheel the feedback there <laughs> you just uh, I think the I don't know what maybe my voice is different from DLT's because <laughs> uh, I'm causing a bit of feedback but the steering wheel obviously had pressed against his, his chest and actually crushed his chest 
he had a broken collarbone, a cracked sternum. Now you know your sternum is quite tough. You know, to crack your sternum, you need a lot of pressure. Uh, literally dozens of, of cracked and broken ribs, a broken pelvis. Um, they first took him, because they didn't know he had a, a medical aid, so they took him to which hospital? I can't remember, to one of the state hospitals. Uh, and then they realized he has medical aid, so they, they transferred him to Mill Park. And when he got there, they, the doctor said, they looked at him and, and they did some initial tests and, and scans and, and um, um, you know, took some, um, what do you call it, um, x-rays and stuff. And they saw everything that was broken and, and they just said, Phew, it doesn't look good. Um, they told his mother or his, his mother-in-law it would literally take a miracle for him to survive this. Um, they did some, some blood tests and his, his um, organs were really starting to lactate. And apparently that's a, a sign that um, the trauma is too much and, 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 and that the organs are starting to fail uh, and, 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 and so on. So when we found out about it the, the evening, we started praying um, and, and really trusting God. And um, his children really need him at this stage. Um, and, and so we desperately cried out to God and asked God for healing. And um, I don't know if you can put up the picture. I was, I was at Charles' um, uh, hospital room. Um, that was on Friday, I think. And um, so that's, that's less than two weeks later. Uh, and he's looking much better. <laughs> he got one operation where, um, where, where they put titanium plates into... Um, you know, to, to sort of mend the ribs that had been broken on, on the right-hand side. Um, and from Tuesday, he's, all, he's already been walking. Uh, and um, his, his mother sent... Do you, are you ready with the, with the um, audio clip, uh, Tuba? Uh, his, his, mother, his mother sent this um, audio clip, um, I think it was either this morning or, or yesterday evening. If you can just play it quickly for us. It's Phil now speaking. Oh, we went to go and see Charles this afternoon. He looks very, very, very good. And apparently, according to me, he walks the passages up and down, up and down. Um, he said there's not, not going to be any operations further. And only, he's got only a few pups in him. The one He's got one in, in his lungs to clear his lungs. And uh, it looks good that they're going to take it out, I don't know, very soon. And once they've taken it out, according to him, he will go to a normal ward where he will stay like for a week and most probably will be uh, discharged that come out of him. So I think we can believe him. He looks quite sane. And then also while we were there, the doctor who did the pelvis, well, the, I call it the pelvis doctor, he was there. And I asked him, how is it possible that Charles can walk if he had a broken pelvis? He said, no, that is one thing I can't understand, and which is amazing because he didn't need to do an operation. Um, according to his words, I haven't got the words correctly, but he said that uh, upper hand or the pelvis has been healed by much bigger power by God, and he's not going to intervene. He can't intervene with God. And if it, I said that if uh, the pelvis has been um, healed by God, and he's not going to in intervene, and if it's, his pelvis is getting healed naturally, and uh, then that means that his pelvis most probably will get back to like it was before the accident, which we thank God, but he himself is quite amazed, and he said that it's a miracle that his pelvis like it, but his pelvis was definitely broken, and like in two weeks he can walk already, which is just amazing. But yeah, that's the thing is, but he's very hopeful and looks good. Okay, bye.
you know, it's um, going from, I, I saw him the, the Monday and he had like three pipes in his mouth and he was pale and the doctors, you could see they thought he, was gonna, he wasn't going to make it. They said it's going to take a miracle for him to survive. He's very critical and, you know, the family should prepare themselves for the worst. To, to now, you know, from Tuesday, he's already been walking. When I got to him on Friday, he was just coming out of the high care, you know, with his little ambulator, you know, and, and he walked all the way up and I walked with him and chatted with him and turned around and I gave him a couple of books to read and, and he was reading the books and he was, <laughs> he was quite happy. Um, you know, from, from there and to where the doctor, um, I mean, with a broken pelvis, he shouldn't be able to walk. And um, it, was, it was broken. It, it wasn't just cracked. They, they took the scans. They, they have the, the x-rays and stuff. It was broken. And, and now he's, the doctor says, you know, he doesn't understand. This shouldn't be like this. He shouldn't be able to walk this quickly. But he's walking. And, and, and all of that is because God hears our prayers. God listens to our prayers. He hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. And our God, I mean, when the doctor said it will take a miracle for him to survive, fortunately we know someone who specializes in miracles. And, and God has done a miracle for us. And, and I want to encourage you, God hears our prayers. Let's continue praying. Let's continue trusting God for healing. Let's continue trusting God for salvation, for restoration. Because he's a God for whom nothing is impossible. And I was, I, was, I was sitting here listening to Devald. I was just uh, so amazed because it, it struck me. Um, Jesus said, who touched me, you know? And, and the reality is, actually, this woman didn't even touch him. She touched his garment. She touched something that was touching him. But he said to her, your faith has healed you. You know, there's, there's a difference between just bumping into Jesus like Devolt was saying, being blasé. And, 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 and as Devolt was saying, it's so easy for us as Christians to become blasé about Jesus. We bump into him, we touch him, but not with faith. We bump into him, we, we have constant contact with him, but not by faith. But here's this woman who doesn't even touch him. She touches his garment and, and she's healed. Let's do what Devolt says and reach out and touch Jesus. Amen. Yeah, sure. Whenever you hear testimonies like that, it's just it's so encouraging to to see what God is doing. I mean, it's not something we can make up. It's not something we can we can forge or or Photoshop. It's Jesus. You know. So yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah. So what Eni said, I. That was my next point, but thank you, Annie. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's okay. I gave him the mic. I should have known. Should have known. No, but it's 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 so important to see that to see that point to, to see that fact as well. That when we approach God, let's approach God with faith. It's easy to, to bump into Him. It's easy to uh, just be around Him. But it's not always as easy to, like I said, put, take that step of faith and say, Lord, I want to see healing because I know You are the healer. 
So when we're praying for, for healing, faith can almost be that metaphor of just reaching out your hand and saying, I'm putting out my faith out there. I want to touch Jesus' garment. It's not even touching Jesus. It's not taking His hand. It's just touching His garment. So I want to just want to encourage you this is this last thing and it says and he, ta- he took her by the hand so you see the, the two the two steps that's happening here sometimes we have to have faith in God's promise sometimes we have to have faith in God's person because the woman was bleeding just touched his garment the girl was touched by the hand and he took her by the hand and he said girl arise in some translations, there's an there's a exclamation mark there. Almost like he shouted it. It was like, girl, arise! And we have to be intentional about it. We have to be intentional. We can't just be blasé anymore, guys. We can't just be familiar with Jesus anymore. If we look at the world we're living in currently... Just being familiar with Jesus is not going to help us. We have to know Him. We have to know His touch. We have to know how, how He acts, His character. But for us to do that, we have to walk a road with Him. We have to actually get into the Word of God and take, God's by, take God by His Word. When he says, don't be afraid, just believe. We have to believe and put ourselves outside the door. We have to take all the obstacles out of our, out of our ways and say, Lord, I know that I, I don't see healing in my own life. But Father, that doesn't mean I can't pray for anyone else. Father, I know I'm insecure about fearing people and insecure about really stepping out in faith. But Father, my insecurities is not going to glorify you. We have to get past ourselves. And I know I've said it a lot, but it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. If we were just familiar with God around Shaul, he wouldn't be sitting up right now. But like any said, as soon as it happened, we cried out. We cried out. If I was just familiar around Jesus with that first grade teacher, I, I'm not sure she would have been healed. But because... We cried out. We were serious about seeking God's face for her. Praying for her. Even if it took four or five hours continuously praying for her. Trusting God for healing. But the, the good news is, is that the same power that lifted this girl out of the dead, that same power is within us. It's within us, guys. 
It's not something that people want to always say that, no, I only receive like certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. No. We have a responsibility to pray. We have a responsibility to act. We have a responsibility to be intentional with God for the people around us. The body has to take care of the body. But we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because if we look at everything that's happening around us right now, the war in Ukraine, if we look at what, what is happening just in our church at the moment, if we just focus on the physical and accepted the physical, Shaul would not be sitting up right now. People will not be getting healed right now. If Melissa just said, ah, it's okay, I'm not going to fast, I'm okay with gluten intolerance for the rest of my life, uh, I'll get over myself, she will not be healed today. But because she was intentional about seeking God's face and saying, Lord, I will not accept gluten intolerance, I will not accept the stuff in my body because it's not from you, she's healed. And we have to become intentional about that. If I was on that mission and I just said, ah, it's okay, we'll just, we'll get a wheelchair and we'll do the rest of the mission in a wheelchair. Yes, that would have been okay. And we would have got through the mission. But we have to be, I had to be intentional about what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And not just accept the physical. So today I want to encourage you, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Not on the people around us. Not on the circumstances. Because the circumstances is always going to mislead us. It's always going to drag our hope through the mud and kick us while we're laying there. We have to make a choice. I want to ask you guys, are you ready to make that choice? To make the choice to say, I will not accept the basic, I will not accept the stuff that's happening around me. Because my God is bigger. My God is more powerful. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.